Amen. You guys can have a seat. You know, there's something special about being in this place today, not only just reminding us that the church is not a building, it's not routine, it's not even a service, it's a people, but um, I'll be honest, I like being in a small room uh, where we can hear each other's voices. I like that we've stripped down the music a little bit, uh, and we're very much of a family vibe. We say that one of our values is that we're growing together as a family, and I feel like today it feels like a family, and uh, as it does always Sunday, but as it does every Sunday, but certainly this week. Um, next Sunday, we are beginning a study through our mission statement, Grow, knowing Christ through the Scriptures, growing together as a family, and going into the world to make disciples. And so we're going to start a study on our mission statement. We're not studying our mission statement. We're studying the Scriptures as they apply to our mission statement. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have uh, about five weeks, a handful of weeks, on what it means to know Christ. So a sermon series on the work of Christ, the life of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the, what Jesus accomplished, and how we've been called to be empowered by Christ's Spirit. Uh, we're going to do a handful of weeks on what it means to grow together as a family. So a, a sermon series on community and growing together with one another, worshiping together, praying together. Uh, all throughout the scriptures, there's all these one another's. Love one another, care for one another, um, bear, bear one another's burdens. And so we're going to look at these and then we're going to spend multiple handfuls of weeks on what it means to go into the world and make disciples of Jesus. We want to, um, uh, we want to do... Uh, spend a lot of time on what it means to be the church in our city uh, and to make disciples. And so you could call this a summer-long vision series or mission series. Uh, but i got to be honest, I get a little weirded out when pastors do vision and mission series. Um, because I, I often you hear pastors stand up and they say, this is the vision and the mission of our church. And they have all these unique and exciting ideas and everything. And I just want to be like, you know... Hasn't the vision and the mission of the church already been given to us by Jesus himself? Love God, love one another, and make disciples of Jesus. That's the vision and the mission of the church. We don't have to be creative to come up with something to do. We've been given a task, we've been given a command, make disciples of all nations while loving Christ and loving one another. And so, and if you ever, honestly, if you ever visit a church that has a vision Anything other than that, I would tell you to run away as fast as you can. Uh, you don't want to be a part of a church that go, loving God, loving one another, and making disciples is not part of the vision, but properly understood. And here's what I want us to dig into for the next several months is properly understood the vision and the mission of a church is the understanding that yes, we are called to love God, love one another, and make disciples. But the question is, how do we do that in our context with our people, with our strengths, and our gifts, and our limitations. Every church is different, and every church has different people, and every church has different people with different passions, and different strengths, and different, they meet in different spaces, and they're in different neighborhoods. So every church has its own strengths, its own passions, its own weaknesses, and its own limitations. And so the, the vision and the mission of our church is to go, okay, what are our strengths, what are our limitations, and now let's Let's develop our vision, how we're going to love God, love one another, and make disciples. We're going to craft that around what we're capable of doing and how we're uniquely qualified to live out the mission of God in our city. And so the next couple of months, we're going to look to discern these things. 
make disciples, learn how to make disciples in ways that play to our strengths. But today, I want to kind of begin this series almost as like a prequel and simply ask the question, what is a church? Or better yet, what's the point of a church? And many people think that gathering with God's people is just an add-on to personal spirituality. I meet a lot of Christian or a lot of people in this city and they say, you know, I love Jesus, but I'm not really into the church. There's been books written on this. I love Jesus, but not the church. Or they'll say, you know what, I love God, but I'm just kind of do, I do the church thing on my own. I listen to my favorite preacher on the internet and just listen to a couple of worship albums at home, and that's my church for the day. And the question that I want to say, or the, the, the thing I want to say to that is, that's a sentiment that Jesus himself would not have recognized. This idea that you can do church on your own, and that church is just something else you can do, It's an option to your spirituality. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've got to be a part of a local congregation of people of faith. Because for us, Jesus would not recognize this idea of, "I I love you, Jesus, but not your church. See, for us to think that we can have the blessing of God and the blessing of Christ while dismissing His bride is arrogant. To think that you can serve Jesus without loving His bride, and He calls the church His bride, it's arrogant. So the Scriptures say you need the church. The Bible says you need the church. The apostles say that we need the church. Jesus himself says we need the church. And so we ask, well, what's the point of it all? What's the point of a church? What's the, I mean, is it to have programs for our kids, to teach our kids the Bible? Yes. Is it to hear teaching? Yes. Is it to sing songs? Yes. But it's so much more than that. And the question we've got to ask is, is our church going somewhere? Are we going anywhere? What is the process that we're being led on? Is being a part of this church taking us somewhere? And so in Ephesians 4, I believe that the Apostle Paul answers many of these questions. At the very least, I think he tells us what the point of the church is. And we don't have screens today, and I didn't print it up, but so if you have a Bible, um, Ephesians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul says that God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints in the church for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, But rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So what's the point of the church? The Apostle Paul says, first, it's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. See, we must understand that The church is not a place for you to be religiously entertained. It's a place for you to be equipped for the calling that God has placed on your life. See, Paul says from the very beginning that the church has various types of leaders and participants. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, kids ministry leaders, which we always need more of. And our goal, anyone in this church... Whether you're in a leadership role or in a participatory role, your goal is, is always have in mind to equip God's people for the work of the ministry, to care for one another, to encourage one another, and to support one another. 
And I love this word equip that Paul uses. It's the Greek word, kartozero. Um, you don't have to repeat after me. But throughout the Greek language, this word is used multiple times in a variety of different ways, much like many of our words have different meanings depending on how you use them. And the word equip, uh, which in our language the word equip has multiple meanings, but in the Greek it had multiple meanings. One is to restore a broken bone. Doctors would use the word. We're equipping, you know, we're restoring something that has been broken. And some of you, you come here today... You're you're coming to church because spiritually speaking, you feel broken. You're grieving, you're hurting, your heart has been broken, your spirit has been broken. You're at a place in life, a juncture in life where you're wondering how you're going to go on and maybe church was your last hope to say maybe there's something here that can help me. And the scriptures tell us that one of the purposes for the church is to help us heal, to equip us for the broken bones to be restored. And I would say to you, if you're spiritually hurting and you're spiritually broken, you desperately need the people of God in your life leading you toward Jesus, inviting you into our homes, giving you a place to worship, a place to heal, a place to take your eyes off of all the troubles and the cares of your life and fix your eyes on Jesus. And the purpose of all the songs we sing and the purpose of the sermons we preach and the groups that we gather is to help us both together and one another to receive a word from the Spirit that brings healing, to restore areas of hurt and brokenness in our lives. We even have a ministry of our church that is dedicated specifically to helping people who are bringing immense amounts of brokenness into the church. And it's called Celebrate Recovery. It meets Monday nights, 7.30 at our office space, Crossroads Community Center, 6921 4th Avenue. Ovington and Forth. And it's for people who are hurting and broken and say, I've got these hurts. I've got these habits that I can't seem to break. I've got these addictions that have a hold of my life. I have these hang-ups in my life. We've created this ministry. Ryan Stockton and other, other of our leaders have created this ministry to help you heal, to restore the broken bone, to equip you for the life that God has called you because you can't live the life that God has called you if you're broken into a million pieces. God uses broken people by restoring us back together and then using us for His glory. God loves to restore broken people and use us to go and restore more broken people. Amen. Another word for equip is to prepare a ship for a journey. See, we're all on some sort of journey. And we're all headed in some kind of direction. We're all, like on a, you see the cruise ships out on the narrows. Every week, I'm like, why am I not on one of those, you know? <laughs> like, oh, that's where I want to be. The water slides and everything. You're like, oh, this is so good. But we're all on some sort of journey. And we're all headed in a direction, a destination. And one of the goals of the church is to prepare you for that journey, to equip you for the journey. And you all, we all need to be equipped, we need to be outfitted for any storm that might arise on the journey that we're taking. And so we need holes in our sails to be stitched. We need to be pointed in the right direction. Sometimes you need somebody who has some knowledge of sailing, and you don't want it to be me. You can ask my wife about an uh, in- instance that happened on our honeymoon where I told the uh, teacher, I was like, I know how to sail. It's fine. I went to summer camp one time, and we crashed into the rocks in front of everybody at our resort because I thought I knew how to sail. Sometimes you need people that know how to set the sails. You need leaders who can say, we're going to set the sails for this thing so that we can go in the right direction. 
And you need people who can mend holes in canvas sails. And they can say, you know what, there's a hole here and we need to plug that hole. That's why we're bringing on an associate pastor who's coming May 28th. By the way, Kyle Vaya, we affirmed him fully. Um, and his job is going to patch all the holes that I put into our sails. <laughs> We need to have reinforcement on the journey of our weak spots. We need people that when the sails give way that can paddle the oars. We need people that can hold the sails when the waves are crashing and the violent winds are all around us. We need people to help us navigate. When you prepare a ship for a journey, you need all kinds of tools to navigate the waters. And as a church, we exist to give you tools like prayer and community and scripture and theology and worship and a place to serve. And see, the purpose of the church is to prepare us for the journey of our lives, both the difficult storms, but also the times in life where, we can, uh, where, where we, it, the waters are calm. Another word for equip, another meaning for equip is to restore something to its original condition. See, I've never had a restorative type of hobby. I've never been into like restoring old cars or furniture or anything. Um, but I do like to watch shows where they were fixer-uppers and stuff like that. Um, but it's a beautiful image to me, this idea of restoring something, taking something that was once beautiful but has been weathered by rain and wind and storms and restoring it back to its beautiful, condi- a beautiful, its original condition. And consider like an old car, like a little hot rod that's become rusted and it needs to be fixed up. In order to be able to restore an old car, you have to order, in order to be able to do that, you have to have a gift to see what the car is and what it's capable of being. See, most people look at it and they just see a rusty, old, chipped paint everywhere. Tires are mismatched and there's no rims that match. And they see an ugly car on the side of the street that's all dinged up from street parking. But what somebody who restores old cars sees is they see something beautiful. They don't see a rusted old clunker. They say a 57 Bel Air. And they say, I'm going to restore this thing back to its original condition. I can see it. The mint green, the stripes down the side, the white walled tires, they can see it. When many of us can't see it, they can see it. And the scriptures tell us that we were created in the image of God. But because of our sin, our mistakes, our decisions, and just the fact that this world is fallen, our, the image of God in us has been distorted, and we are a shell of the person that God intends for us to be. But as Christians, as the church, we must be able to see what the scriptures call the image of God in every person. We see what other people can't see and we look into everyone and we see what you were created to be and then we help one another into that restorative process. And we say, look, I know you may be bringing this into this room today. I know you may be feeling this. I know you may be carrying this, but I see in you the image of God and I believe it can be restored through the work of the gospel and the work of the Spirit in your life. That's what our small groups are for. That's what uh, Sunday mornings are for. That's what Celebrate Recovery is for. It's to help us see the image of God in one another and point each other to Jesus who is alone able to restore us back into and reconcile us to God the way that God has intended us to be. Another word for equip is to train soldiers to fight. I know life is hard. And life as a follower of Jesus can sometimes be even more difficult because there are battles that we face in this life that are just hard. And it feels like we're jumping into the ring with Mike Tyson or Floyd Mayweather or uh, the Iceman or Brock Lesnar or somebody, Conor McGregor. 
suffering, broken relationships, death, loss, cancer, fear, depression, anxiety, rebellious children. See, the purpose of the church is to help us look those battles in the face and hold up the gospel of Jesus in front of us and say, you can fight this. Joy is possible. Hope is possible. You can fight this battle. You can win this battle and we will fight it with you. See, another battle that we face is our own sin. Our own destructive behaviors. Not just the life around us, but the, the, our, our hearts within us that are often bent towards di- disobeying God. And that's a battle that we face. And the church is operating at its best when it's a place where you can feel like you can be honest and vulnerable with your struggles and trust the people around you to help you put your sin to death. Once again, that is what Celebrate Recovery is. Can I get an amen, Ryan? So the Apostle Paul says that the church exists to help Christians equip each other in various ways. But what are we being equipped to? That's the question. What is the process? Paul says that the process is we're being equipped from infancy to maturity. He says in verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood or womanhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, this is a summary of this passage. This is a summary statement of this entire passage of Paul. What's the purpose of the church? To equip Christians to become mature in their faith. That's the purpose of the church, to go from infancy to maturity. The fundamental purpose of the church is to help one another grow up in the faith. See, one of my favorite genres of movies is the coming-of-age story. You know, the classics, Stand By Me, Sandlot, Almost Famous, Breakfast Club, Super 8, newer one stranger things anybody watch that one boyhood king of summer my girl dead poet society little marines that's an old favorite of mine see i love these movies because they're always hilarious they're sometimes inappropriate they involve little six-year-old boys coming of age or whatever but a good coming of age story captures these moments in the seasons of life where boys become men and girls become women And as I've reflected on these movies and these shows, I realize that these films and these shows recognize something that is deeply biblical. And that is that maturity never happens alone. We cannot grow up on our own. Nobody is an island. We grow up, or in some cases, we fail to grow up because of the people we surround ourselves with. See, we are who we are because of others. And the purpose of the church is to be a community that helps one another along in the process of spiritual maturity. And so then it begs the question, what does spiritual maturity look like? See, the metaphor that the Apostle Paul and Peter use is that of being fed. See, when you're an infant, you're being fed by your mother's milk. That's all you can do. It's just you can take what your mother gives you. But then you grow up. You start to eat solid food. And then eventually you learn to cook and feed for yourself. Feed yourself, and then eventually you learn to feed others. Learn to cook meals for multiple people. See, the process of maturity in our lives, one way to look at it, is we go from being fed as an infant, to growing up, to being able to eat on our own, to then getting to the point where now we can provide for others. 
And the process of a maturing Christian from spiritual infancy, meaning relying on others for your spiritual nourishment, to, becoming, to nourishing others, that is the process of maturity, to go from relying on others to being able to nourish others. And see, I like to think that many of you are being fed right now. You're hearing biblical teaching. In some sense, I'm feeding you the, the Word of God. But this is like milk. If you're a new Christian, this is exactly what you need. You need somebody who can open the Scriptures and explain them to you. But it, and, it, and, it, and it will keep you alive early on in your Christian faith. But if you want to be healthy, and if you want to grow up and have strong bones, you've got to learn to feed yourself. You've got to learn to read the Scriptures on your own. You've got to learn to pray for yourself. You've got to learn to lead your family yourself. You can't rely on kids' ministry and youth ministry to teach your children about God. You've got to learn to lead your family yourself. And see, the church, hopefully, not only is our job to feed you, but our job is to help you learn to feed yourself and to feed your family, to help you develop beyond breast milk and start eating solid foods with your own hands. And this is why our growth groups are so important. They bring us into dialogue with other Christians, with other leaders who can teach us these things. And as you grow in maturity as a Christian, you will begin to learn to wean yourself off the bottle and feed yourself. Feed yourself. And then over time you'll become mature and you'll learn not only how to make your own meals, but to make meals for others. See, I have three small kids and it's fascinating to watch this process in their lives because when they were born, like our little Annie, who's back there being sweet, I hope. When they were born, they have to rely on, I would say us, but my wife, completely. They re Annie relies on Rebecca for everything. But as the kids get older, they're able to do more things. They, they, they need less help from us. They become more independent. This week, I watched my daughter. She didn't know I was watching her, but I saw her in the kitchen. She's sitting at the table. She's eating her breakfast, and she's feeding Daniel Tiger, who had a cape on for some reason, Superman cape. She's feeding Superman Daniel Tiger eggs, and she's feeding him oranges. She, she's learning what it's like to feed others. She's training herself how to grow up. She's maturing. She's passed from infancy and she's growing into maturity. And that's the point of the church, to help you in that process. See, this is why the church is more than just a Sunday service. Songs and sermons cannot help you mature completely. Songs and sermons have a purpose. You, but you need to experience the community of the church. You need to be in a growth group. You need to serve, serve as a volunteer in one of our serve areas. You need to serve the city with us when we go out and we serve the city. We grow from infancy to maturity. The scriptures also say that the purpose of the church is to go from being tossed about to being able to stand firm. Verse 14, it says, We become mature so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Here Paul is talking about doctrine. And one of the marks of spiritual maturity is the ability to be able to discern what is true, what is helpful. We need to discern what is true and what is helpful and spiritually nourishing from what is trendy and what is popular and what is a passing fad in the philosophies of the world. See, there are a lot of teachings out there that sound biblical but are actually far from what the Scriptures actually teach. And so that is why it's so important to be a part of a church that teaches the Scriptures rather than political opinions or popular topics. 
That's why I like to think we do this here at Crossroads. One of the things that I am committed to as the primary teacher of this congregation is something that's called exegetical preaching. It's a big fancy word, but what that is, is it means very rarely will I ever stand up and say, hey, we're going to talk about, pull a topic out of the air, and I'm just going to tell you what I think about it. We will always start with a text and I will work you through that text because you will not be nourished and you will not be transformed by my opinions, my words, or my thoughts. You will be transformed only in the renewing of your mind by the Scriptures alone. And my job is not to tell you what I think, it's to interpret the Scriptures as best as I possibly can so that you can be transformed by the work of the Spirit in, the, in you, the work of the Scriptures by the Spirit in your life. I'm a vessel. I'm not the person you look to for the answers. I'm the person who points you to the answers. That's my job. And as a church, we are committed to teaching the Scriptures. That's why most of the time what we do is we go, hey, we're preaching through Galatians. This is where we're going to be for the next however long. Or we're preaching through 1 Peter. We're going to do 1 Samuel. That's what we do. That's why we're committed to it. And as a church, we're committed to teaching these things. And my, my commitment to you is that every week when I get into my study, I will not open the Bible with an already preset idea of what I want to tell you, but rather I will open the Bible, look to the text, and I will seek the Lord what He wants to tell us through that text. And I will go where the text leads, not where my own knowledge leads. And, when, and on the times, on the days where we preach through the Scriptures, we're going to come to passages that rub us the wrong way. And when, on those days when we're preaching a passage of the Scripture or we're studying a passage of Scripture in our growth groups, on that day when the Scriptures run against the trendy philosophies and the doctrines of the day, we will choose the Scriptures because that's what the church does. At our most recent elders' retreat, we adopted the Nicene Creed as a part of our statement of beliefs. And we did this because we want to confess that we are not developing our own theology here at Crossroads. We're not coming up with something new. If you, come to a, if you go to a church that develops their own theology or new theology, that's not a church you want to go to. You want a church that is firmly rooted in the traditions and the historic nature of the Christian faith. Now, we don't, we're not tied to meaningless, we're not tied to scriptureless traditions, we're not tied to those things, but we are tied to the traditions that are in the scriptures. And we are standing on the faith and the doctrine and the theology of saints who have gone before us from two, for 2,000 years. See, there are always new developments in theology, and we can debate things like Calvinism and end times and speaking in tongues and all these tertiary doctrines in our church. We can debate those, and we're fine with that. And if you don't know what those things are, that's okay. They're not central to the faith today. But here's what we will not debate in this church. The Nicene Creed and things of that nature. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten by the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one, being with the Father. Through Him all things were made for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake He was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, He rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and His kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit at this church. 
the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, He is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, universal, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and we look, to, look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We will not debate those things. We have firm ground on what we... And we, we stand on those statements. And we stand on the Scriptures because we do not want to build our house on sinking sand. We do not want to be tossed to and fro from the waves. We teach the Bible. We interpret the Bible as best as we can by the Spirit of God. And we lean heavily on the traditions of the historic faith that saints have believed for 2,000 years. And a healthy church trains us to do this. And then finally, I think finally, yes. <laughs> the purpose of the church is to move us from individuals to community. From individuals to being held together. Verse 15 says, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way to Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This passage is written while the Apostle Paul is actually having a conversation about spiritual gifts. And we're going to talk later this summer about what spiritual gifts are, but, the, but what it is, essentially, is that every Christian has been given gifts and abilities and talents and passions, and God gave you those gifts for the purpose of you building up the church. You were designed, every one of you were designed by God in a certain way. And the Scriptures tell us that you were designed by God that way so that you could help serve the people of God and to help others mature, to help others grow, to help others be encouraged, to equip others. And the Scriptures go on to say that because we all have different gifts, we are all important to the life of the church. I don't wear a collar. There's nothing different about me than you. We believe in something that's called the priesthood of the believers here at this church. I mean, like collar, like the, you know what I mean. <laughs> we believe in something that's called the priesthood of all believers in this church, and that is that every member is a priest. Every member has been given the gifts of God to serve one another. You don't have to come to me to get everything. There are 70, 80 other people around you that can give you what you need in Christ because God has given them the Spirit to minister to you. I don't have to be the one to minister to you all the time because if you look only to me, I only have a few gifts. I'm just going to preach sermons. You may need a hug, and I'm like, I'm not giving you that. I'm just going to preach. And you're like, I don't have 40 minutes. You're like, well, that's all I know how to do. See, Paul calls us the body of Christ. We're all a body part. Some are hands, some are feet, some are fingers, some are mouths. And I know I've got a big one. But the body cannot function completely if one part is missing or if one part is deficient. So you can't just rely on staff or me or elders. You've got to rely on one another. In fact, you know, when, what happens when somebody's arm gets chopped off? There's people say it's dismembered. See, we are members of this church. And if one of you, if something happens to one of you, then we lose something valuable. If an arm gets chopped off, what's going to scratch the ear? You see? Ears are blessed by the arms. And ears are blessed by the mouths. And, and we're all blessed by one another. 
Everyone is needed in the life of the church. And Paul says that we must be held together. The purpose of the church is not to be a group of individuals who come together to get their way and to have church that looks the way they want it to look. The purpose of the church is for individuals to come together and become one body. Kind of like the Power Rangers. You know? All of their Zords become one Megazord. I just saw that movie a couple weeks ago. This space is making me weird today, guys. All throughout the Bible, the church is called a family. And we're to see ourselves as brothers and sisters. And you know what I hate? Is when all my family gets together for a reunion, but like my sister can't make it. Or my brother can't make it. You know what it's like to have all your family together and be missing one person? There's something valuable that each person brings to the table. And so everyone is a part of what we're doing here. We are brothers and we're sisters. And too often we see the church as a place to have our individual needs met. We want the church to feed us, to mature us. But God's design is that we feed each other, that we mature with each other. And the promise of the Scriptures is that if we do this well, and we love and we serve one another well, that the world outside of the church will see something in us that draws us toward them. Jesus said that the world will know my love by the way that you love one another. And if we can do church well, if we can grow together as a family, that will preach the gospel so much louder to our city than any sermon or any sound system we could ever pump out of the high school. Love one another as a family. My grandfather recently passed away. And in his final days, I've never seen a church care for someone more than him. He had been homebound for about a year. And every single day, somebody, he's a traditional Baptist, Sunday school. But somebody from his Sunday school class, every day, every day, sometimes twice a day, would come and sit with him and have a biscuit with him for breakfast every morning. Every day for over a year. That's the kind of church I want us to be. And I can't imagine a better way for us to preach the gospel to our city than to love each other well. And so what's the purpose of the church? What is the purpose of the church? It's to equip Christians to become mature in their faith. And this is what I want for us. I want us to be a mature church. We want to leave room for infants, spiritual infants, because we want mature people who can train infants to be mature. I want us to always be helping other people attain the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See, Jesus gave His life so that we could be reconciled to God, and now He has given us the gift of His church to help us grow into maturity as we try to become like Him. You need the church, and the church needs you. And so I want to close with this. When I moved here and became the pastor of this church, many people who've been here for a while were asking, you're saying, what's your vision for the church, Will? What's your, what do you want to see for the church? What's your dream? And I remember saying, you know, I don't really have an answer right now. Like two years ago, I didn't have an answer to that because I didn't know you. I didn't know this city. I didn't know even myself in a role like this. But we're two years in. And I want us to begin our, vision, our summer of vision, so to speak, with what I think is my dream. And I'm sure this will align with yours as well. And maybe you've got something to add. But this is a clearer picture of what I dream for this church. I dream about a church that has the Word of God and the Spirit of God coursing through its veins. I dream about a church where prayer is our first response and not our second, third, or fourth. I dream about a church that has amazing amounts of pastoral integrity, 
meaning that we care for one another well. But I also want to be a church that has a large amount of evangelistic and missional fervor. I dream about a church where the gospel is central and nothing we do, we don't do anything that isn't motivated first by the resurrection of Jesus. I pray that we're a church that looks like our neighborhood. Skin colors. I look around, I love seeing Hispanic faces and white faces and black faces, but you know what I see missing in here? I don't see a lot of Middle Eastern faces. And we live in a neighborhood that is one of the largest Arabic populations outside of the Middle East. And so I want to see more diversity in our church because I want us to look like our neighborhood. That's what I want for our church. I dream that we would be a church that is as much a family as we are an army. I want us to be both a hospital for sinners to be restored, but also a battleship for us to go out and fight the enemies of sin, Satan, and darkness. I want us to patch broken people up, get them healthy so we can send them out to fight those things. I dream of our church where our children come to faith at an early age and are mentored and shaped by older Christians. I want every single one of our kids to have boring testimonies. In 25 years, I don't want a single one of our kids to stand up and talk about how they ran off and they, got, and they were the prodigal son. I want every single one of our kids to stand up and say, I became a Christian at six years old through the kids' ministry at my church, and I had awesome mentors in my church that taught me what it looks like to love Jesus in a city as crazy as ours, and I never really strayed off the path. I've always been fixed on Jesus. I want our kids to have the most boring testimonies in the world. That would be the greatest testimony to the glory of Christ in our church. I dream of a church where our people where you guys are speaking the name of Jesus in your workplaces, in your buildings, on your blocks, in the parks, that you would be equipped to live out your calling as faithful followers of Jesus. I dream of a church that serves Bay Ridge and Sunset and Diker Heights and Bensonhurst in such a way that if we ever shut our doors down, our neighbors would weep. I dream, of, I dream that we would pack every seat at the high school every Sunday. In fact, I pray that we have multiple services with the place packed. Not because I'm obsessed with numbers, but because I'm obsessed with seeing more people know Jesus and know God's people. I dream that, and I, this one's foggy. I'm learning to dream this one. But I dream that we will one day be able to look beyond ourselves and become healthy as a church to the point where we can reproduce and plant more churches. I'm already praying for Sunset Park, Bensonhurst, Coney Island, Staten Island, Queens, the Bronx, Manhattan, India, Egypt, Pakistan, and Syria. That God would allow us to plant church. Just us. Look what God did through 12 apostles in the New Testament. So he turned the world upside down. There's probably 75, 80 of us in this room. Imagine what he can do with us. I pray that we can plant churches and why not? See, I dream that God would do what Paul says, that He would do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. And I'm convinced that the way that we get to that is by doing this every morning. Know Christ through the Scriptures, grow together as a family, and make disciples today and tomorrow, and the future will take care of itself. And just so you know, as your pastor, I'm with you heart and soul on this mission. Let's pray.